Hello and welcome to the Weekly Real Podcast. My name is Ken. And my name is Jeremy. And this week we are covering the opener for the MCU's Phase 5 with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Um, and so just, I guess, so that our uh, podcast audience knows, full disclosure, to keep our thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumanium fresh, we're actually recording most of this episode on February 28th, uh, but we will actually be releasing this episode sometime in the future, probably before uh, the next MCU theatrical release of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. We actually still haven't technically uh, scheduled out Season 6 yet, so just be on the lookout for it. So maybe, you know, enjoy this episode for what it is, <laughs> for uh, what, reco- uh, <laughs> recording randomly on february 2023 um so um yeah pretty cool to be able to um podcast from the past is that weird (laughs) yeah we're we're here from the past to tell you about your present (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna be so confused with our uh tenses the way we talk uh i don't know we'll (laughs) we'll hopefully figure it all out it's like endgame yeah, exactly. And this time heist, or what do they call this? Uh, what was it? The it was uh, a time heist, right? No, uh, in Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania, it was like a, a time a time cause. vortex. No, I forgot. It was all the remember the probabilities. Oh, the probability storm. Yeah, the probability storm. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I knew you would pick me up. <laughs> On this, it's been a Eventually. while since I've actually seen this movie. Uh, it's been a week or so. So, anyway, you know what? Let's get right into our podcast ritual. And since we are recording this in the past, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to ask you more of a general MCU related question. So, um, for this week's podcast ritual question, it's actually going to be a pretty simple one, Jeremy, because all I have to ask you is, has the MCU peaked and will it ever reach the heights of phase three? Well, Man. Dang. Uh, <laughs> that's so hard. I think for us, I think it has. That, that's going to be that's going to be crazy to say. You know why? It's because there's something magical about it happening for the first time, Mm. right? I think kids that are growing up now, I think it's still, it still can be like really good. You know what I mean? Like take me when like freaking 10 years ago. (laughs) <laughs> right like kids yeah. nowadays like the freaking 15 year old kids that are going to the movies now i think they can still have that same experience that i had mm-hmm. from these last 10 years of the mcu they can have that in the future i think and have that have this period be their end game but for us who have gone through this mcu cycle at least once now or you know up to end game i think for us, because of nostalgia, I don't think things will live up to the first go around. Ooh, man, that's a compelling argument. Yeah, I mean, 
I I tend to agree with you when you say us. I'm like, yes, I completely know exactly what you mean, because it's like you're going through all this. This is the first time really where this is a connected universe. And I remember the feeling that I got watching the very first of it, not Captain America, the first Avenger, but Avengers 2012, seeing that opening shot where it basically showed all of the six original Avengers Mm -hmm. and the Avengers theme is something cool um you know when they all come together especially earlier on in the movie when they're actually going up against each other you know there's that butting mm-hmm. of heads um and then eventually you know things keep going obviously i mean you and i <clears throat> we we've ranked uh all well before today's episode all the previous 30 mcu theatrical releases and i don't think it's a it's a coincidence that the majority of our top 10 is being filled with everything from the first three phases, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some outliers in mine in there. I really, yeah. I think Shang-Chi and stuff is in there, but no, way um, home. no way, yeah. Of course, yeah. No way home. I think uh, for the MCU to really get back to its glory, at least in my opinion, for me, it would have to be, do the X-Men right. Mm. Like X-Men has always been like the huge thing in my childhood that yeah, I did like the Fox movies, but um, I hope that now that the MCU has it, they can really focus on the X-Men, not just Wolverine, you know, (laughs) Uh, that's what's going to save the MCU for me. Like, I'm sure that I like, honestly, I really like, all the movies of the MCU, even I'll rewatch the incredible Hulk and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll watch rewatch Thor love and thunder, but <laughs> um, yeah, there's something it's going to be, I'll always like the movies. I feel like, yeah, but it, I don't think it will reca- recapture that magic. At least I'm very skeptical that it will. Interesting. Well, actually on my notes here, I did mm-hmm. say, okay, well, argue whatever jeremy doesn't <laughs> okay so you said that it peaked um actually I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the x-men because i actually did not have that in my notes but when you mentioned i was like that's a such a good point you know because i mean if they do the x-men right there's that added bonus of okay you know this is something that potentially phase you know phase five and really into phase six that can actually put that over it like over the top especially since they've already announced the two avengers um titles with king dynasty and and secret wars and it's supposedly just going to be crazy with you know whoever they bring into this movie and so i guess reading not really reading off my notes but some of the notes that i did bring up as far as mcu not peaking just yet is that I mean, yeah, we've talked about how phase four has been kind of a mixed bag. But if mm-hmm. you think about it, phase one, if you kind of compare phase four to phase yeah. <laughs> one, similar, you know, in terms yeah. of a mixed bag, you know, it's trying to establish new characters and this whole thing. And, you know, I feel like phase four and phase one are very similar in that regard. There's some pretty high peaks i guess but then there's a lot of mid stuff yeah some duds a little bit yeah (laughs) yeah and 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 i know that we're only one theatrical release in phase five 
kind of a spoiler for later this episode. I didn't think it started off that great. (laughs) (laughs) And so if you're kind of following the roadmap, I feel like phase five can be compared with phase two. But if you think about it, phase two did not really start off that hot either. Iron Man 3 and Thor the Dark World, not on anyone's <laughs> top 10, I'm guessing. Yeah. For for MCU movies. What? <laughs> uh, you know what I think is they don't have the A-list characters to work with right now. Right. Uh, right now they're kind of using like kind of the, the B team, so to speak. I love Ant-Man and stuff, but... When I was growing up, I didn't even know there was an Ant Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I mentioned the X Men because there's so many A list superheroes in that universe, in that part of the Marvel universe, that they need to do that uh, that those characters right in order for the MCU to fully thrive again. It's right. they need to bring back because yeah, we can have these good movies with B-list characters, but imagine really good movies with A-list characters is what they were doing before. So, yeah, I feel like the X-Men or like the Fantastic Four can do that again with their their star power. Right. Plus, like the A-listers that they've brought in, like a Thor or like, not necessarily like A-listers, but in terms of original avengers say like hawkeye for example they're being now used as a way to bring in the next generation Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it's i mean we love our wwe references and we're not (laughs) gonna quit now here in season six i feel like the reason why professional wrestling or i guess sports entertainment has like um it, it continues to um I don't know if it's doing as well as it did before, but it's still like a viable business It's because generally speaking, the older generation eventually puts over the new generation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at right now. We're in this transitional phase. And, and just like you said, it's all about the new properties, X-Men, Fantastic Four. And really, I feel like phase five and phase six will kind of make or break depending on how well they incorporate all the variants of Kang and feel like they kind of fumbled it, but that's not saying that Jonathan majors didn't do his thing. Again, this is kind of mm-hmm. a spoiler for, for <laughs> what I'm going to be talking about later on in terms of my feelings on at man of the wasp quantum mania. Mm-hmm. But I felt like Jonathan majors feel like he was the best part of the movie. Yeah, I, th- I think so. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to definitely talk about that more. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think so. I don't disagree there. <laughs> there you go. But um, I guess before we continue with the rest of this episode, I just want to remind everyone that the Weekly Real Podcast is not just available on your favorite local podcasting app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, but we also do have some socials, don't we, Jeremy? All right, yeah, we have a couple of social medias that are super duper active. And the first one, well, I'm assuming that it is because I'm from the past and I'm talking about the future. <laughs> so uh, our TikTok, which is super duper active, is at Weekly Real Pod. Uh, yeah, this is not the email. All right. Uh, <laughs> you know what? We are speaking into the existence. We're just holding ourselves accountable from the past to the future. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, over there, we get some movie reviews, some TV reviews. I know that there's some stuff on there that we're watching uh, that we talk about. And, you know, if you want to watch way back in the past from where I'm from, uh, I know I did some top five videos on some certain actors that you can watch on TikTok. And on Instagram, Instagram, our, our at is actually a little bit different, right, Ken? What, what is Instagram? Yeah. Well, well, it's only because we screwed up the TikTok, but yeah. <laughs> our, our Instagram is at Weekly Real. And what do we have on the Weekly Real? At Weekly on the, Real out on Instagram? Yeah, at Weekly Real, we have Reels, uh, aka our recast of basically short little clips of us doing the podcast here you get to see our our faces and our little setup and stuff uh yeah of the podcast so you can just see us talking about whatever movie of the week it is and uh whatever announcements that we have on there we don't really give announcements on tiktok too much but if you want to stay up to date with any stuff podcast related any links that we want to share that's going to be through instagram we, we try to provide we make we try to make it easy for our uh, audience to just be able to just click on uh, the podcast links that we do provide and that way it goes take it takes you right to your favorite one and mainly it's apple and and spotify but we're available on stitcher amazon etc cetera, etc cetera. so um yeah jeremy i mean we've basically just talked and beat it around the bush for long yeah. enough <laughs> let's talk about ant-man and the Wasp, Quantumania. So let's um, issue that spoiler warning right now. Um, I know that Jeremy and I watched it in theaters uh, not too long ago. Uh, but um, yeah, whenever we do release this, it will be streaming exclusively on Disney+. And we are still not sponsored by Disney+. Plus, But uh, yes, please do. That, we that we like true. Disney content. <laughs> Who does Yes. Um, this week... The Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Ant-Man and the Wasp are joined by Cassie Lang as they encounter a conqueror in the opener to phase five of the MCU. And, and we are talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, which came out in February of 2023. And so, guys, let's get right into the double feature. And just to remind everyone, uh, the double feature is where I bring up a topic and I have a question for Jeremy. He doesn't know what I'm going to ask and vice versa. I have no idea what he's going to ask. And so, Jeremy, for my half of the double feature, uh, you know what? I was going to ask you a Kang question. <laughs> uh-huh. I was counting on maybe maybe you might have one. So I wanted to ask you um something ant-man and the boss related because i feel like we're going to be talking about king a lot so mm-hmm. for my half of the double feature this is kind of a random question but do you think this movie was more about ant-man and the wasp scott lang and um hope van dyne or was this about ant-man and the wasp um hank pym and uh janet van dyne you know, I'm gonna. <laughs> this is a good. That's a good question because I was like, they had nothing for Hope Van Dyne to do <laughs> in this movie. I was like, oh, right? Okay. <laughs> I was like, this is called Ant Man and the Wasp, but this is really Ant Man, Scott Lang, and 
Janet Van Dyne, the former wasp. (laughs) (laughs) Former, former wasp. So um, it was weird. Like they, I think they gave stuff for Scott Lang to do. I don't think Hank Pym did too much besides, you know, curse. (laughs) I I did like those jokes though. Uh, The running joke of him just like abruptly swearing whenever seeing stuff um but most of the story is heavily on janet van dyne and scott lang and then kang of course mm-hmm. but yeah hope van dyne nothing like nothing written for her really she's basically there to as like a bodyguard for her parents <laughs> and mm-hmm. to save scott when stuff goes wrong <laughs> so i was like she definitely had more stuff to do in Ant-Man and the Wasp 2018. Yes. So which one do you prefer? Uh, which one do you think it was really about? If you had to pick one, it, um, was it the older generation or was it the current generation? <sighs> Shoot. You can't, I, pick, you can't pick one. You can't cherry pick one of, the, one of each. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it really is like one, like one each, but uh, I probably want to say it's more about Janet Van Dyne and mm. Kang. So it's more about the old generation. Mostly just yeah. Janet, honestly. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, Which, it, I, it, I guess if if you're going to compare like the lesser of both combos, uh, Hank Pym versus Hope Van Dyne, I mean, man, it, 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 I feel like they did a lot of the similar stuff where they end up saving the day, I guess. You know, obviously <laughs> yeah. you get Hank, Hank Pym with his aunts. Mm-hmm. Um, right at the kind of like near the end, but also when Scott Lang and Kang were, you know, dueling it out at the very end, you get, I guess, hope from the top sure, rope, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With the running. And, and so I, I, I kind of go back and forth, but I, I guess just not really disappointing, but I, I kind of wish that we did see more Hope Van Dyne. Mm-hmm. Just because I feel like I've always been a fan of Evangeline Lilly since Lost. And I feel like she's, I don't know, she's, she's a, I feel like she's a good character. I feel, feel like she was just underutilized. Yeah, super um, underutilized. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, I feel like Hank Pym took a nice little backseat because, I mean, I feel, I feel like a lot of the MCU revolves around you know, Hank Pym and the Pym particle or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I was kind of glad that, you know, he kind of took a little bit of a backseat for Michelle Pfeiffer, Janet Van Dyne. Um, I guess I was just more disappointed that uh, they didn't give Hope more to do. I feel like she could have just, I don't know. felt like she, I agree with you in that it is the older generation just because Janet Van Dyne um, was the, you know, she was our guide to the quantum realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously she wasn't, she didn't reveal <laughs> what she was afraid of to any of her family. Uh, and obviously the, I feel like people in the know, like us, we're like, Oh, it's Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, I, I've always felt that ever since the 2018 film that they've never reached the potential of the relationship between Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne. They've always kind of been like this weird, 
like will they won't they but not really giving enough screen time to it you know what i mean um sometimes he refers to them as like together but then you know infinity war happened and that wasn't really explored that much in i felt like this movie had a lot of deleted scenes and say i think at least in my opinion say what you will about the movie I felt like an extra 20 minutes of this movie would have actually benefited it. Like, I don't think the pacing was bad in the movie, but there were a lot of things like there were no, there was like no time to breathe and there was no, which could be a good thing sometimes. But in this case, I felt like it ended up feeling a little bit choppy in certain areas that we were just going from place to place. And there was like no explanation and no time for character moments. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was one thing I missed about this missed from this movie was just the times that we can like sit down with these interesting characters like Hope, like Scott. That's why I actually liked the beginning of the movie where Scott's like doing his little like yeah. book book tour. Because I yeah. you get to see the the Scott Lang character doing whatever, and it's just kind kind of character stuff. But once we get into the quantum realm, it's like I expected. The heart went away. Yeah, the heart definitely went away. I expected more like uh, Cassie and Scott Lang father daughter stuff, but especially from this movie to introduce like an older Cassie and stuff was uh, I, you could do so much more emotionally with with the father daughter aspect, and then you know a basically like a stepmom right so it's like yeah. i don't know they, they that was a missed opportunity when they say oh it's a family film and you have these two families with the grandparents there it's like it's such a missed opportunity where you just basically get i don't know the goo the goo guy that wants holes so <laughs> <laughs> i feel like the closest we got was that um car ride uh when they I guess bailed Cassie out or got her out of prison, I guess. And mm-hmm. Cassie was basically letting um, her dad know it's like, hey, you know, th- this was the reason why I was in jail. Like she was fighting for a cause. And uh, Hope basically was saying, you know, you need to be able to see that side of it or whatever. Um, but then. Scott was like, oh, yeah, well, I saved the world. or <laughs> But then I was like, oh, well, you're just now going through book tour. I was like, oh, yeah, kind of a burn, you know, and I, I felt like it, it would be something to kind of rest on your laurels a little bit. That's just kind of like human nature, especially when you're going through the time heist and you save the world and you yeah. bring everyone back or whatever. You kind of want to enjoy the like the fruits of your labor, you kind of go into semi-retirement or whatever. And then you kind of just talk about like the past and Oh, just hanging out with cap and all that (laughs) stuff. And so I, I thought they did that part pretty well, but again, um, I agree with you. Like once they were in the quantum realm, like a lot of the, a lot of the heart went away in terms of, um, again, the connective tissue where there could have been like, you know, smoother transitions. There could have been more scenes that were earned um, later on, and then it would have paid off more. It would have probably hit a little bit harder. Uh, so, yeah, the writing wasn't that great, I think, in this movie. 
Yeah. It the some of the visuals were cool, right? It's like it felt like Star Wars or felt like Halo mm-hmm. or something like that, but at the end of the day what made I honestly thinking about the first Ant-Man what made that movie good was the characters in there. Even like yep. the villain wasn't that good. It was Darren Cross as Yellow Jacket. He Darren. was, he was <laughs> Yeah. It's like uh you know he was a serviceable villain but what made that movie good was the rest of the cast and the dynamic that was shown between characters and we didn't really get that in this movie it was imagine if they had that heart of the first Ant-Man movie with Kang I think yeah. that would made yeah. such a better movie but that's like why can't we have both <laughs> I don't I know. know Yeah cuz I mean every everyone was so likable in the first one and I mean, we're seeing the same characters. It's just I feel like uh, just like you said, it was they they get caught in the middle in terms of okay, we're gonna throw in some jokes here and there. We need to introduce this big bad, but like okay, we need to have certain characters appear in certain places, and it just became just like you said, disjointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's it sucks how action takes the place of character development in this case whereas you know action should enhance whatever character development that the character goes through so right plus action wasn't even that great in this movie yeah i mean was it be- i i felt like the action was at least better than well actually i don't know i, <laughs> I was gonna say better than ant-man and the wasp but actually there were some highlights in ant-man and the wasp but I think in terms of fight parts. Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah, much. yeah. I just really like the kitchen fight from the wasp in the the last oh, movie. Oh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, they weren't that creative in this one in terms of choreography. Uh my question for the double feature though. You knew I was going to talk about Kang, so thank you. Um <laughs> I want I want I want to know what you think that do you think we'll see that version of Kang, you know, Kang the Conqueror in the future? Uh, do you think he's dead? And uh, if so, which movie do you think you would want him to come back in? Because it, it, uh, for me, it was always a little weird to have Kang the Conqueror introduced in Ant-Man Quantumania. I don't know. It's like, did I... I wanted... I didn't know where else he would you would put him, but uh, where do you think he might come back in? Ooh. If at all. Oh man, I don't think he'll be. Um, I I don't think he's dead. Let's just get that out of the way. I think mm-hmm. he, I think he's still the most dangerous out of all the variants, from what I hear. And I feel like uh, the next time we'll see him in a, in full capacity will be in Kang Dynasty. But I feel it's hard to say because honestly, I don't. This is like the least amount of um, research that I've done in terms of future releases. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know what <laughs> I don't know what what's being released this year. Uh, to be honest with you, other than like what the Marvels, I don't know what other other than Loki. I don't know what other TV shows are actually going to be released. Maybe Secret Invasion, right? Yeah, Secret Invasion. Uh, I, actually, I heard that. Loki was slightly delayed. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. But I feel like the next time we'll actually see Kang the Conqueror, 
I, and I, I, again, I don't remember which movies are coming out like in the next year or two. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be in a post credit scene. I don't think we'll see him in a full fledged um, role, at least that variant until Kang Dynasty and or maybe some something right before it where it'll set up Kang Dynasty and um, the impending doom that he will. You know, because obviously they mentioned it like it was nothing about how, um, oh, I just killed Thor. <laughs> like, like yeah. it was nothing. I was like, whoa, that's yeah. that's not something you just mentioned. Thor is like one of the strongest Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just crazy how he just mentioned it as matter of fact. It's like, uh, have I killed you before? <laughs> it's pretty <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> Dang. That must mean he maybe he was in he's from the timeline or. Uh, multiverse where Scott is uh, just works at Baskin Robbins and there isn't an Ant Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I I don't think we'll see him until Kang Dynasty. Okay, until Kang Dynasty. For for me, I man, if Marvel just killed him off, <laughs> that would be such a waste. But at the rate that Marvel's going, it's like. Maybe he is dead, but uh, I really hope he's not. Um, I think that maybe we'll get a post-credit scene, maybe for like at the end of Loki season two or something. Mm, that, I hope you're that's right. That's my guess. Yeah, because that, that, <laughs> the post-credit scene uh, for Loki to kind of jump all the way to the end now, I was like, oh, I got excited for Loki again. <laughs> I know, dude. Victor Timely. Oh, man. Yeah, at that first post credit scene, I was like, this is kind of weird now. I don't know if I like it. And then they show the second one. I'm like, oh, variants. Yeah, I know. Well, I feel like, um, and I only because I did a, a very quick uh, new rock stars. Again, shout out to them. Yeah. Um, I watched that one video just explaining just the the post credit scenes and they were talking about how that first credit scene actually first post credit scene is actually taken from the comics i believe where hmm. they showed a bunch of these uh kang variants and uh i mean they were talking about oh, they revealed uh pharaoh rama tut mm-hmm. they it was like some future version and then who was that other one? I just know there was one oh, that looked. I like think it was cyborg. Immortus. I think they oh, okay. they called him Immortus, mm-hmm. like the main like Egyptian looking one, not Pharaoh Ramatut, but the other one. And I was like, oh shoot! So I feel like it was strategic in the way they said, "Oh, Kang the Conqueror is dead." They think he's dead, but I don't think he's actually dead. Okay, I hope not. That would because when they said he's dead, I'm like, ah. What a waste. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's like a false sense of hope for all the variants because remember they're the they were the ones that exiled him to the quantum realm. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's in some weird, like maybe even uh a quantum realm within the quantum realm. <laughs> I don't know where he's at, where they can't detect him or they can't um they don't know where he's at. But I feel like he's still lurking in the shadows. And I think eventually he'll be one of the big bads. I think he'll be somewhere there. I think he'll, 
resurface in Kang Dynasty, and I think he'll be there for Secret Wars as well. All right. As long as he doesn't come back like disfigured as a new Modoc or something. Oh, God. Like, that would be horrible. Because you know how he kind of did the same thing where he's like kind of getting yeah. sucked into you know, the quantum realm within the quantum realm. So, oh God. I hope I hope they don't make him a new Modok. <laughs> or Damn. is it Modolfk? <laughs> oh yeah, that was stupid. I like that though. See, Scott Lang still had those moments. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Anyway, um Yeah, I mean, we've reached this part of the episode where we like to involve you, the audience. And so this one's a, a kind of a quick one, I guess. It's a yes or no question. So, and let's toss Jeremy in this. I'm kind of curious to know if you think we will, if we will get an, another Ant-Man and the Wasp standalone movie, a fourth one. Do you think we'll get one? Hmm. I want another one just because I feel like there's so much more that they can do to close out maybe their stories or some mm-hmm. certain characters' stories. Maybe like Hank's story um, or Janet's story to close out their time. But since this movie's kind of getting like bombed, I feel like they're going to work some way to close out their stories, like in team up movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Damn it. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I agree with you. It's the whole, you know, I feel like everything just revolves uh, around the almighty dollar. And I feel like it's just, mm-hmm. again, getting review bombed, but also, it has been really. It, I haven't checked it yet because I'm trying to, to try not to get spoiled by, you know, find you know, accidentally seeing the Rotten Tomato score. But mm-hmm. um, has it been doing well at the box office? I don't think it has. Has it? Uh, I have not checked. Okay. I haven't heard anything. So, I mean, I want another one, and I'm already assuming that I like this movie more than you. <laughs> so, yeah, Probably. I think that's pretty safe to say. <laughs> I think it is safe to say. But yeah, uh, do you think there will be another Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, standalone movie? Chime in. Uh, let us know. We have the socials, but really, we want to redirect you to our email because I just want to <laughs> know if Jeremy can finally figure out what this uh, what this email address of ours is. So uh, the email, I think I've almost got it. It is, we, you know, we've done five seasons, so... This is season six now, you know, in the present that we're <laughs> recording. Um, the email is theweeklyrealpodcast at gmail.com. Right? Oh, so close. No. Ah, I feel like that's close to our actual website. Damn. Maybe. I don't even know. I don't even remember. <laughs> I, don't really, I don't really go on the <laughs> website any longer because everything lives in, on whatever podcast app, right? But... Oh, so close. You know what? I th- I think you'll eventually get this. You're so close. It's actually weeklyrealpod at gmail.com. I know you can get- I think you'll get it soon. Dang it. I think so. I have a feeling. I think I have a feeling as well. But until then, Jeremy, let's take a quick break. Welcome back from the break. Jeremy, let's get right into the Weekly Reel Awards for our first MCU movie of Season 6. 
And we are going to start off the Weekly Reel Awards with the Get Help Award for Favorite Comedic Scene. I mean, it's only natural, an Ant-Man movie. And it, you know, us talking about our favorite comedic scene. So, Jeremy, what was your favorite? You know, it's almost like a favorite comedic moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's during the probability storm. Oh, okay. (laughs) And so, you know... uh, Scott Lang, he's like creating more multiple probabilities of himself. And, you know, I love when, <laughs> when he gets, he basically creates that Baskin Robbins version of him. And I already thought that was funny because it's like some type of version that he never becomes Ant Man or whatever. But then <laughs> my favorite joke, which is like the most understated joke of the whole thing, was that some other Scott Lang from like far away shouts to the Baskin Robbins one. It's like, do you have ice cream? <laughs> and I was cracking up, dude. Cause they're like all arguing with each other. And there's just one Scott Lang. That's like, do you have ice cream? <laughs> you know what I, you know, what's funny. I, I actually completely missed that. <laughs> dude, I was dying when that happened in the theater. So like, like you were probably you know, the only one that noticed it i'm guessing yeah maybe no my brother my brother uh heard it and he was dying he was cracking up just because it's like i love understated jokes like ones that people just don't hear apparently well no for me i think i just missed it just because there was a lot going on in that scene and so i probably heard some other maybe (laughs) uh yeah variant of scott during that probability storm where i just completely missed it so dang it all right well if I end up watching it a third time, especially when it comes out on Disney Plus, I'll probably look out for Still it during the probability yeah. storm. <laughs> yeah, man, that killed me. Oh man. Well, for mine, mine is kind of a more of a uh, dude, Scott Lang and his reactions. You know what I mean? So, for my winner for the Get Help Award, uh, dude, that one, I guess the the one character, the one the blob looking thing, Veb. Uh-huh. He's asking <laughs> Scott a bunch of questions or whatever. And I think one of the questions that just was obviously became a running joke is like, oh, how many holes does he have? And I remember that yeah. one dude that can um read the minds. I think his name is Quaz. I don't know if I'm saying mm-hmm. his name right, but he's the one that just literally w- just started a- uh answering on behalf of Scott. And he's like, his name is Scott Lang and he has seven holes. And Scott literally <laughs> just pads to him and he's just like, counting in his head yeah <laughs> and he was like, yeah. yeah and then he confirms that he has seven holes i don't know it's just the, the uh it's just paul rudd paul rudd's reaction and then him just thinking on screen it's just the most su- again yeah. subtle humor that we do like and i just remember just cracking the f up just like because i was also thinking in my head i was like wait how many holes does he have oh shoot it's so good that was my favorite damn uh, honorable mention to when uh, uh, what's his name (laughs) sorry Scott Lang was listening to his own audiobook in the car (laughs) with with Hope and Cassie yeah that was good I was like are you you listening to yourself (laughs) I mean hey if you got an honorable mention I think I mentioned it earlier I kind of stepped on my honorable mention Uh, M.O. what was it Modofk I, I, when it's yeah, like, my- would it, <laughs> wouldn't it be Modoff? Because he's obviously it stands for mechanized organi- 
or organism designed only for killing? And it's like, so would yeah. it be Modok? The way he <laughs> delivers that line is so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Paul Rudd is still so good in this. Him, like Scott Lang and Kang are easily the best characters in this movie. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I mean, you segue me perfectly into our next <laughs> award. I mean, we're going to give out a choice between the I Am Groot Award for favorite character or, again, I think we need to, we should just rename this, like, uh, I guess a prelude to the RKO Award, like the person we (laughs) most want to RKO. But, I mean, we we like to keep our weekly real awards, I guess, MCU themed. So, it's the I Am Groot Award for favorite character or the Malekith Award for most hated Mm. character. Jeremy, which award are you giving out? Okay, so I'm going to have to give it to the... I'm going to choose the low-hanging fruit on this. I'm just going to go with the Malekith Award for MODOK. <laughs> MODOK. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. like I, like I Darren Cross or whatever. Um, he, he was okay like as Yellow Jacket, whatever kind of the standard villain, mm-hmm. but now he just becomes like this weird, like I know who MODOK is and MODOK's always been like a weird character, but this is still like the, the moments that they gave MODOK were just so out of place, like in this movie, like, I don't know. It's like, it was fine to have him as like this, this machine that that just tries to kill them. But for by the end, where it's like, oh, do you want to still be a dick or whatever like that? Like, oh, did not feel earned at all to have that whole death scene. Was it kind of funny where he's like, so I'm an Avenger now? <laughs> that was a little funny. Cause, <laughs> just because of uh, Paul Rudd's reaction. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, because he's dying doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... But to dedicate, like, scenes like that, like, a whole scene where, and not have any, like, family dynamic happen in the quantum realm, I think is, you know, if they're really trying to hit that two-hour mark, th- there was better use of time than, than MODOK. Yeah. I mean, you could tell that they were they wanted to have that running joke with, uh, with both Hank, well, sorry. Hank, Cassie, and Scott realizing Dar- <laughs> <Yeah>. Darren. <laughs> yeah. it, it 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 like that. I fu- I funny. I felt that part was funny each time they realized who who Monarch was. Yeah. <laughs> but other yeah. than that, just he just looked goofy looking. I couldn't take him seriously, and I don't know if that was what they were going for. Even though it's it's a complete like contradiction of what modok is actually about a mechanized organism designed only for killing and he became he became the of a punchline it just became a parodied ver- version of himself just for just for a laugh and i completely agree with you i just completely hated that character as well yeah it was just like okay fine whatever like modok's always looked kind of weird but why does his face like and his face has always looked weird modok but like why does it have to be so like 
the resolution was like not high at all Stretched on his out. on his face. Yeah. It's like why isn't it like sharper? It's like the, uh, everything around him is like surprisingly clear, and then you get to his face and it's all stretched out. And I don't know. I felt like Modok's face is supposed to be so disfigured to the point where it's a little like yuck mm-hmm. to look at him, right? But in this, it's just like. It looks like you just took his like Darren Cross's face and like stretched in out. Photoshop and just like <laughs> and did the stretch feature without you know, yeah, and, and it just lost resolution. I don't know. That was horrible. Yeah, I okay. I could have been like okay if they really wanted to make sure that Darren Cross was Modoc, they could have just had the one reveal in the beginning for the audience. They should have just kept that mask mm-hmm. on him because he actually looked the design part of it without them pointing out with the little arms and the little leg or whatever, which looked very (laughs) strange to me. If they would have just kept that, that mask looking thing that kind of reminded me of like green goblin, like circa what Raimi (laughs) 2002 um, Spider-Man with masks and stuff. It actually looked pretty cool. I think it's just whenever they wanted to kind of go in and, you know, focus in on Darren's face or whatever. It just became a parody of itself. And I, it just made me hate the movie like that much more. Just, ugh, it was so horrible. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I can't, couldn't <laughs> like that character. <laughs> um, I'm going to give out the Malekith award, but just because, um, I just want to again mention the the person who made this movie is Jonathan Majors and uh, and and uh, Paul Rudd. So if I gave out the I Am Groot Award for favorite character, it would be definitely go to I'll go with Jonathan Majors just because I thought he did a really good job, especially since he had to play different variants, especially near the end. Um, and I feel like that's again only scratching the surface. I felt like he was super menacing, and I'll actually get to that in the next award. Um, but in the interest of more hot takes, really, Modoff was mine. But really, the honorable mention, I really did not like this version of Cassie Lang. I, I thought she I was knew super annoying the whole time. I, I, I don't know what it is. She should be likable, especially since she's Peanut. From the previous mm-hmm. two movies. She was so likable in those first two movies. She was so good um, as uh, older Cassie when when they uh, when Paul Rudd Paul Rudd Scott Lang came to <laughs> San Francisco yeah. a- after coming out of the quantum realm in the beginning of Endgame. And I'll be honest with you, like every time I watch that reunification scene. Um, between dude it hits me in the feels it's so good and so i feel like cassie in this movie should have kept that thing you know that momentum going with her with her character and her character because it was so likable for those previous appearances it, it just made it so disappointing in that uh a character where again it revolves around like her progression within the MCU, you know, her being mm-hmm. hella smart, coming up with this technology, working with Hank Pym and and Hope um, to create the, you know, the mapping of the the quantum realm. 
and it being the mm-hmm. catalyst for the the actual plot, she just came off as annoying throughout the whole movie with her, especially with the horrible writing. And and I mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to throw shade on the uh, the actress herself. I feel like she wasn't given <laughs> very much in terms of actual dialogue that meant anything. But there should have been a lot more um, interactions that. Gave, gave you the feels with the whole father daughter thing. Yeah. Like like you said that end game scene should have been like this whole movie or this whole relationship between mm-hmm. uh Scott and his daughter Cassie in this. And yeah, I I don't think I feel as strongly as you did. Um but I definitely see I'm more disappointed with the missed opportunities mm. uh, for that relationship because essentially what this movie is between Cassie and Scott Lang is that Scott Lang to her should be the hero that she sees him, you know, just like the first movie, right? It's like he wants to be the hero that uh, his daughter sees him as. That was his and motivation. She still feels yeah, and that was his motivation. So it's like she feels that way again in this movie where it's like, dude, you're not doing mm-hmm. – like you're not being the hero that you should be. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they should have and could have driven that um, home a little harder in this movie. And I don't know. I feel like maybe they should have made you know, Scott Lang a little bit more like defensive about where he is in his life. Right. Like, like you said, he, he, like he saved the world rightfully. So he should be maybe taking a break from stuff. So I, I maybe more tension because her stance is right. His stance is right also. So they're both right. They just, they just happen to be conflicting um, at that point in time. And it, sometimes that, that does happen. You can't control like where certain people are, especially in their development. Because I mean, you could tell Cassie sees her dad as a hero, and she wants to make a difference in the world. And she's you know finding mm-hmm. her own way. I did like how she is following in her dad's footsteps. It's just I feel like her character was not given much to in the way of writing um and uh, she came off as really whiny sometimes when she shouldn't. Mm-hmm. She's peanut. Yeah. I love that character. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it was just as, yeah, I know seriously, man. It's just like as soon as they get into the quantum realm, mm-hmm. they like stopped. Mm-hmm. They stopped talking about what they wanted to talk mm-hmm. about. I felt like, you you know, you got to bring those problems. What's interesting about superhero movies is that you bring real world problems like these father-daughter relationship and you bring it into this weird world to accentuate it. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. They just left it outside the quantum realm. Right. Yeah. Man. (laughs) All right. (laughs) That's enough ranting for me. Well, again, I I, I love Cassie as as a character. I just didn't like uh, she, you know, I, I don't, I don't like what she was given. <laughs> so yeah. there's that caveat. <laughs> um, let's get right into the next award. Um, I feel like it's uh, one of our go-tos. It's the Avengers Assemble Award for favorite care. Uh, sorry, favorite scene. Jeremy, what was your favorite scene of Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania? 
I feel like we have the same one. I think we do too. <laughs> I think we do. Because it's easily, I don't know, it was easily the best scene for me. I was like, dude, when Kang stepped in the room and Cassie and Scott were in their cell. Yep. Dude, I'm like, this movie got real. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like the best scene in the quantum realm, man. Yeah. And because it's, it's always a little questionable when it's like, okay, how are they going to do dramatic scenes in a Ant-Man movie? <laughs> I'm like, dude, that scene is so good. And I like my brother actually complained that they didn't show Kang fast enough. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I actually really like the buildup. I did too. To, oh, he <laughs> he did this. I'm like, oh, who's he and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I love that buildup. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. for his first scene with Ant Man, I'm slow. like, dude. And the way um, Jonathan Majors like it's like a subtle, almost like royalty Whoa. performance. I'm like, man. Such a good scene. And I really wish he did a little bit more damage in that scene. Yeah. I don't know, maybe even break a, at least break a finger or something like that. Dude, something, but him basically like using his force powers. I'm like, damn, this guy's like Darth Vader Vader right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's such a good scene. And yeah, I would easily rewatch that scene over and over again you know what's funny i don't know if you uh are aware of this but when they um i think it was during comic con when they were you know they try to release exclusive content just strictly for comic con goers and this is the san diego version they debuted this scene there and damn i think i have a feeling if i would have seen that i would have like my expectations of this movie would have been through the roof and it would have just yeah. <laughs> disappointed me even more because that's crazy how they release this so early and it ends up being by far, like you said, head and shoulders above every other scene. This was by far the best scene. It was so well acted. The interactions back and forth between uh, Paul Rudd and Jonathan Majors. Oh my God, it mm-hmm. was so good. And I felt like um, even though you know, it's debatable whether or not maybe Kang the Conqueror should have actually, quote unquote, died or whatever at the very end. But I felt like the the hand to hand combat was actually surprisingly good. I enjoyed uh, the 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 final battle between the two of them because, man, mm. it, like I, it was one of those where it's it that first scene that we're talking about started it, and I felt like it it, it was a it was a good follow up in terms of them like having their motivations for I, I love that one line where Scott Lang's like I you know like I don't have to win I just need you to lose I I'm pre- I yeah. might be paraphrasing that but I was like oh dude yeah yeah <laughs> dude I like yeah it's not the most like elaborate choreography or whatever in that scene but I also love when there's characters that are so like such an underdog right like ant-man and they're going toe-to-toe with someone like king the conqueror i love seeing matchups like that talking like it's uh wrestlers (laughs) but because when when he gets attacked by uh hank pym's ants Mm -hmm. which 
we have to mention they were like a thousand years old at that point or whatever. That was weird, but kind of funny at the same time. Um, I felt like, okay, that was kind of a weak way to go. Mm-hmm. Like he just got attacked by the ants. So I'm glad that he came back to have a fist fight. Lang versus Kang. Yeah, Lang versus Kang. I love it. I mean, and it it didn't have like the Shang-Chi like elaborate oh, yeah. choreography or whatever, but it just was brutal. And you got to see oh, yeah. some blood uh in an Ant-Man movie. It was just pretty cool. And I mean, I know we got a little bit of that uh sneak preview during like uh any of the trailers, but mm-hmm. man, dude, like Scott Land did take a beating and obviously yeah. Hope came in uh, with a run in with the chair. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me know. Did you when when Kang was like smashing Ant Man's helmet and like stomping on his helmet? Did you get that vibe of Dark Knight Rises with Bane <laughs> I did, like, hitting Batman? Yeah, dude. I was like, ah. I will break you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think um, Scott was going to die in that scene? Or did you not really? Um, I think they... Um, I've, I felt because they telegraphed it. I didn't think he was going to... They telegraphed it in the trailer too much. Mm. I feel like if they didn't actually reveal any part of that scene in the trailer, I may have given it a th- thought or whatever. It's like, dude, is Scott Lang going to die? But I felt like they... I feel like the MCU likes to do that. It's like, oh, is so-and-so going to die? And then mm-hmm. they don't really kill him off. Yeah. And I just felt like when I was watching the movie, um, if he did die, I feel like that would be a really weird place mm-hmm. for him to die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I was actually kind of excited to see what would happen if um, him and Hope were stuck in the quantum realm. Yeah. I was like, oh. And then they just bring him back. Yeah, I'm like that's I don't know, but I, I don't like that. I guess in, in in terms of storytelling, obviously, Cassie created that uh, <laughs> that quantum Beacon realm thing. mapping system. So yeah, I guess mm-hmm. it it does make sense or whatever. But it would have been an interesting dynamic if both of them were stuck in the quantum realm. Because I mean, really, this is the second time that Scott has been <laughs> stuck in the quantum realm. We just don't know what <laughs> yeah. happened that first time around. In between Ant Man and the Wasp, and when he reappeared in Endgame, yeah, maybe just floating. <laughs> yeah, different part of the quantum realm, I guess. All right, Jeremy, uh, we've gotten to that part of the podcast episode where we'd like to be competitive. Um, it's the Gesseron Tomato score, and so currently, after last week's episode. Um, we kind of have a touchdown lead on the guests. <laughs> I kind mm-hmm. of feel sorry for them right now. They're off to a really rocky start. Uh, the current score, Jeremy and I are tied at seven. And the guests, I'm bringing up the rear, at zero in third place. And so uh, this week's uh, guest Rotten Tomato score competitor is family of the pod, AJ, right? Mm-hmm. AJ. So what did he guess? AJ actually guessed 77%. Nice, nice. Okay, okay. Um, Jeremy, what's your guess for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? I guessed 53%. Ooh, okay. That's closer to me. Um, I guessed 58. 
Um, yeah, I felt like this is some, a movie that's not fresh. Yeah, um, I didn't for- know if it was like, are they going to score it better or higher, like, or better or lower than like Eternals? I didn't. I was yeah. Like, oh, where are they? What, what was that? what was Eternals against? I I can't remember. Wasn't it like fifty two or something like that? Something I, I, like all I remember, I remember was me like, and AJ were pretty close. Yeah, you guys were close. There. I was way off. Fifty <laughs> six. Like I forgot. It was yeah. somewhere in that range. Yeah. So. Um, 77 for AJ. Uh, sorry, I didn't catch yours again. Sorry. Mine was 53. 53 for Jeremy. Mm-hmm. And then I'm at 58. So, um, let's look up Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantumania. All right. And with a tomato meter of 382 reviews, Jeremy gets the full three points because the tomato meter is 47 percent holy crap that's low i did not expect it to be that low i was like i thought it was gonna be like 55 or something like that damn 47 shoot do you want to guess what the audience score was uh for quantum mania um 65 no actually it's 83 percent wow the audience you know mcu fanboys <laughs> we see you <laughs> raising up that uh, that average that at flag. Yeah, Oof, I don't know about that. But Jeremy uh, is a, on a little bit of a, a a hot streak, you know, defending the title. He gets the full three points. He's now currently at ten. I get the singular uh, point that brings yeah. me up to eight. And uh, AJ, sorry, on behalf of the guests. You're still ugh, shut out. Oh my goodness! Yeah, Jacob has been the closest one so far this season. Mm-hmm. He was only off by one, and we were tied that that episode. Yeah, oh, that was geez. insane. That was insane. That, that was really bad luck. <laughs> yeah, on <laughs> the week. guest part. <laughs> yeah. Oh shoot! All right, now that we've obviously guessed the Rotten Tomato score, well. Let's get right into our final award. It's really the award that I'm actually looking forward to the most because not only are we giving our I Love You 3000 award where we rate Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania uh, on a rating scale between 1 to 3000, but just like with every MCU release, we will be plugging in this latest release into our... Well, it's now a list of 31 MCU movies. So we'll, we won't give you the whole list, but we'll kind of let you know what's where we rank Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania mm-hmm. and what's above it and what's below it, just so that we give a little bit of context. And who knows, maybe we'll go ahead and release a, um, a TikTok video with uh, our full ratings. So be on the lookout for that in the future whenever we do release it. <laughs> so Jeremy, uh, how would you rate Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania on, this, uh, on that one, the, uh, on that I Love You 3000 scale? You know, I like I said, I wouldn't have mind another 20 minutes just to include some other stuff that I felt like needed, mm-hmm. uh, that they needed in this movie. But I also think I liked it more than you. I actually kind of want to watch it again. Uh, <laughs> weird to say i'm gonna give it a 1950 out of 3000 so i'm actually giving it a fresh 65 percent wow which i mean it's not a it's not a great score yeah and uh i'm just trying to i liked it more than thor love and thunder I'll, I'll oh you know 
Easy. Not a, not a hot take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Okay. I mean, I will I will let you know that I've seen it twice. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it the first time-ish. You know, obviously I had my problems with it that we've talked about in this episode. Honestly, the second time I watched it, I liked it less. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised. Oh. I was like, wait, why did I like this movie? Because usually the second... The second viewing is really my my true like rating. It's like okay, I know what to expect. I can kind of focus on the dialogue. How do I really feel about this movie? And I didn't Ooh, enjoy it as much. It Damn. Yeah, and I think that's the reason why my rating is not fresh. I'm giving it a fifteen ninety for fifty three percent. I it is just. The character assassination of Cassie Lang, the writing was horrible. Modofk was unnecessary <laughs> and it was plain stupid. Uh, waste of Bill Murray. <laughs> waste of Bill Murray. Thank you, Eric. Couple, you forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> about him and how they talked about how he and, I guess, Janet Van Dyne were <clears throat> bumping ugly, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's like, really? Him? She. <laughs> I I did like, like I have needs. <laughs> it's like whoa, like, whoa. kind of a old joke, but you know whatever. Yeah, but I did like uh, I like the reaction shots that Michael Douglas had when yeah <laughs> when when they would show and pan to him when they were talking about when they were implying that they were a thing during those thirty years. Oh, jeez, that's weird. Yeah, but thank goodness for Paul Rudd. Thank goodness for Jonathan Majors. Otherwise, it would have been in the running for <laughs> worst MCU movie, I think. Damn. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And again, Ho- Hope Van Dyne got nothing. <laughs> it's weird. I like yeah, her as a character. Is... But. Man, I feel like mine's hot take. I don't know. Maybe. I want to say. Man, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Who's the hot take? Is it yours or is it mine? I have no I idea. Know. Maybe we should uh, add that as a bonus audience question. <laughs> Let us know on the emails. <laughs> anyway, Jeremy, MCU ranking. ranking. <laughs> where uh-huh. where do you have it ranked out of 31 MCU um, theatrical releases? And uh, what's above it and what's below it? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> okay. I this is I don't know if this is pretty high. I actually have it at number twenty. Yeah, I mean there are some pretty bad ones below. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, above it, because uh, like I said earlier in the episode, I do like I would rewatch a lot of these movies, even up to like twenty eight or something like that in my ranking. But yeah, it's at number twenty. Number nineteen is Black Widow, and twenty one is actually Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, interesting. You liked it more than I did. Obviously, I, re- I it's not a fresh score. And again, I don't know if my rating system's just f- straight up flawed. It's funny you rank that at twenty. <laughs> I only have it one slot b- <laughs> below yours. <laughs> Dang. I know. I, I wonder did, what I, scores I, the other I, I one. Think I, I think I need to. I need. I think I need to re uh, <laughs> reassess my rankings. Anyway, um, I haven't ranked that twenty one. Just above it, Avengers: Age of Ultron. 
just because of how disappointing it was for me. Okay. And again, number 22, Thor Love and Thunder, because of how disappointing it was. Um, it, that's a disappointing group right there. Yeah. Um, again, I feel like 21, just because I think I had high hopes for maybe Jonathan Majors and just, you know, Paul Rudd just being super ageless. I was hoping that yeah, I mean, at the very least it would be somewhere yeah. directly in the middle in the 15 range at least. Yeah. It's a good, good place to hit in MCU, I think, yeah. nowadays. Yeah. But uh, this one is, yeah, there's some. Uh, pretty mid <laughs> movies right below it. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, again, who knows? Maybe we'll get that TikTok video running uh, for this episode. Maybe for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, whenever that does get released in May. So uh, be on the lookout for that. But that's currently where we have it. Twenty for Jeremy. Twenty at uh, twenty-one for myself. So there you go. All right. Well, before we close out this episode, Jeremy, do you want to preview what we're uh, covering for next week here on the podcast? Yeah, next week, a introverted high school student meets a strange girl with a very eccentric personality in I Want to Eat Your Pancreas. It's a weird English title. <laughs> I don't know how to say the Japanese title. Uh, it's I Want to Eat Your Pancreas 2018. I've seen it. I'm basically sharing this movie with Ken who hasn't seen it. I didn't, you know, I'm trying to keep it as minimally, no spoilers at all. Um, like, okay, yeah, a boy meets a girl. That's pretty much, <laughs> that's, the, that's the length I'm going to go in this preview. You know what's funny? I kind of just zoned out just uh, similarly <laughs> to our Super Mario Brothers episode when you were... Uh, when you were previewing Suzume, because I was like, okay, I want to kind of go in <laughs> with these anime movies completely, completely fresh, because I'm not really trying to watch trailers or trying mm -hmm. to find out um, what uh, what these stories are about. I kind of want to recapture my first um, viewing of Your Name, where it's like, what the hell did Jeremy get me to watch, especially that opening scene in Your Name? If yeah. you've seen it, you know what I mean. I was like, Jeremy, what the what? Why am I watching this right now? <laughs> you have to, you have to trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I and I'm glad I did, uh, yeah, yeah. just because it's still actually one of my favorite movies, especially just to rewatch. It's a, it's such a good rewatch, and listen for the the soundtrack. But anyway, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to um, watching. I want to eat your pancreas. It's such a weird title, but uh, I feel like this is uh, something that I'm definitely looking forward to. Just, just to again broaden my horizons. This is why we did the podcast, right? Yeah, this is this should be your first anime movie outside of the Makoto Shinkai movies, no, right? The, Besides uh, Pokemon, <laughs> no, did the we did the Josie the Tiger? The oh Fish. yeah. Oh, that's why I forgot to mention the Suzume episode. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, do you? Do you like, um, uh, did you hate the Daijin more or, or <laughs> oh, Josie? <laughs> Dang it. Oh, that would have been a good one. Oh my God. That was so good. Ooh, that would, that would be a toss up that for the RKO. Um, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, shoot. All right, Jeremy. Um, you know, we reached that 
part of the episode where we got plugs. So, Jeremy, do you have anything to plug for the upcoming week? Um, no, not too much, actually. My Instagram is at JP underscore flicks. You know, we're I'm on there sometimes. <laughs> so uh, I'll let you know. I guess if there's any updates, I'll let you know on Instagram. Oh, there you go. Well, for me, I'm on Instagram and TikTok at FreeKenA. Uh, spelling will be on the notes for uh, both my socials and as well as Jeremy. So, Jeremy, before we close out this episode, any final thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? Okay, I don't want to throw too much shade, but because uh, I really like, I love the first Ant Man movie. Actually, it's pretty high on my MCU ranking, which is like completely updated now. I did, I redid the whole thing, mm-hmm. and I love the first Ant Man movie. But I feel like there was a lot more fingerprints left by Edgar Wright on that movie that made that movie really good. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, man. I like I was. I think I mentioned this when you we did. were doing the newsreel, where it's like the more that I keep seeing more of Payne Reed's stuff, and I don't want to like throw shade at this guy, but I just don't really like his vision of the stuff that he's done. Like episodes of Mandalorian were kind of like the weaker ones, I felt like. Um, and these Ant Man movies are progressively getting like less like stylized. Mm-hmm. Like they just feel like so bland and so manufactured in a way where it's like, oh, it's just to further whatever Marvel is doing. I don't know if it's studio interference or whatnot, but from what I've seen with other stuff, it just felt like, man, there's the Ant Man identity is like going further and further away as we get further away from the the first Ant Man movie. I completely agree with you in that um, I kind of redid part of my MCU ranking. In the process of doing that, this movie, strangely enough, Quantumania, made me appreciate the first Ant-Man more. I actually bumped it up originally to where I had it the last time I worked on the um, the, the rankings back in November, uh, right after mm-hmm. Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And it Made me drop Ant Man and the Wasp even further down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I, 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 everything you just said about Peyton Reed, uh, just I echo that times a million. Is just, I don't know. Um, if there is a fourth uh, standalone movie, if he's attached to it, honestly, I will have zero expectations for it being good. <laughs> Yeah, and because this was supposed to kick off Phase 5 in a huge way, and I just felt like it wasn't big enough for what the, what it should have been. Mm-hmm. And at the center of it should have been that father-daughter relationship that was so good in the last two movies. Right, and in Endgame. <laughs> and in, yeah, the one scene, the one in, Endgame scene in Endgame that, <laughs> that made me like, t- not saying... The, that one scene that really made me tear up, man. Is it? I think it was an underrated scene in Endgame. I feel like that entire first act of Endgame, so mm-hmm. good. It gave all these great actors basically enough wiggle room to actually act. You got to see yeah. RDJ act. You got to see Chris Evans act. 
I mean, we're not talking about Endgame any longer, but man, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. I Ant Man was so such a surprising hit when it first came out in 2015. Am I getting the years right? I think it's 2015. Yeah, and it uh, just like you said, it's just gotten progressively worse. Um, I feel like the only redeeming quality that this movie has uh, over the second one, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. Jonathan Majors. That's the only reason why I have it higher <laughs> in the rankings in my, yeah. in my overall um, MCU ranking. So, yeah, I felt like Ghost was worse villain than Yellow Jacket. Yes, I'm like, yeah, you have Lawrence Fishburne or whatever there too. But I was like, uh, I don't know, Kang's better. Um, at least the second one did Hope better. Yes, I, but I felt like Scott took a backseat in that movie more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he had a little bit more of a front seat in this movie, yeah. but then Hope had a completely back seat, <laughs> like in the freaking trunk, <laughs> compared Jesus. to Hank and Janet. I know. Um. So, yeah, it, it's just not enough for the these lovable characters that we've grown to, that we've basically grew up with through the MCU, and it's kind of disappointing that it, it turned up this way. I still liked it. Maybe I'll feel the same way if I rewatch it a uh, second time. Maybe I'll like it less. Um, <laughs> but maybe I'm just more forgiving because I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Because <laughs> maybe because it's Paul Rudd. Who knows? Yeah. Well, plus, no Michael Pena cameo in the beginning. Ah, seriously. Or even towards the end, like at the very end. I, I don't know. I, I feel like he could have fit right in the beginning. Something just. Just to kick off the movie, something a little fun. Uh, but I, 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 I like how they kind of wrapped it up where, the, you know, Scott's kind of questioning. It's like, well, is it done? Is he dead? You know, I, I did kind of like that, I guess, for me personally. But I, I kind of liked it, but I kind of dislike it just because it felt like Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, multiverse of madness, where it feels like an ending, but it's not really an ending. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I'm getting kind of tired of this. <laughs> kind of like, oh, there's gonna be a next part. I, I, I kind of want movies to be self-contained, yeah, a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it is better than the multiverse of madness ending. Yes. at least in my opinion. Okay, cool. I was like. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna ask you which one did you like better? I was like, because I feel like yeah. the Ant-Man one did it way better, I think. Um yeah. whereas Multiverse Madness was definitely manufactured. But dang it, no Michael Pena to I don't know, give it a little bit of character. Jeez. Yeah. <sighs> well, again, um, just like we mentioned, uh check out uh, you know our basically a robust library now i mean dude we're closing in on episode 100 but uh more importantly check out last week's episode on suzume um hey we're basically bookending this right now this episode so suzume last week next week as jeremy mentioned we're covering i want to eat your pancreas um so just i feel like you could just google search it right now it's not streaming anywhere but just google it you can find it anywhere um well that's what me and jeremy were gonna be doing and hopefully we get a guest we're still kind of locking that down uh but yeah definitely check that out join the conversation on i want to eat your pancreas again follow us on apple spotify um for the podcast itself 
Weekly Real, at Weekly Real Instagram, mm-hmm. and at Weekly Real Pod uh, on TikTok. And uh, so, on behalf of Jeremy and all the Kang variants, <laughs> we'll see you next time on The Real. <laughs> <laughs>